Well, hi everyone. It is, uh, it's great to be back. Great to be back here at Creekside with our, uh, with our home church. Great to come back and to worship with you. Uh, many of you ask, how was our trip? And it's always, it's always hard to answer. Our trip was amazing. We, uh, we loved being there and we loved just about every day of being there. And it was difficult to come home, to be honest. At the same time, this is home. This is life, and we know we need to get back to it, and we got a great life here, and we're excited to be back as well. So we are grateful for uh, your interest, for your prayers, for your support in, uh, in what we are doing. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, we were in Guatemala for two and a half months. We left in the uh, middle of October. We came back Christmas Eve. We actually arrived back here in Kelowna at 11 o'clock p.m. Christmas Eve, which was a little bit odd. Um, to come back and, and uh, not have a lot of food in our house um, and just kind of settle back in. But uh, it, it was, it, it's been good. And uh, it's a two-week two week break. Our kids were super excited to come back and re-engage in school and see all their friends again. And we came back and we've had two weeks to kind of settle in. So we are excited for tomorrow to get back into school and to get back into the regular rhythms of life. Um, so this morning, Jeremy's asked me to uh, share about our experience in Guatemala, and it's, it's actually a really fitting uh, morning because we are talking about mission. This is us. So what does it mean to be the church? What are some of the defining factors of the church? And if you're having this conversation with somebody, I would hope that the word mission would come up pretty quickly. For me, one of the most important aspects, one of the most uh, important defining marks of what it means to be the church, what it means to be a Christian, is this word uh, mission. And so we're going to talk about Guatemala and why it's become so important to us as a family. But first, I just want to talk about mission in general. What do we mean when we say the word mission? Um, and why is this such a defining factor of who we are as a church? Uh, we are called to be a missional entity as a church. We are called to represent God in the world around us. We are called to point other people to the reign and the rule of Christ, both individually and corporately as a church. This is one of the defining characteristics of the church. So let me ask you this question. Uh, when we say the word mission, what is the first thing that comes into your mind right now? What pops into your mind when I say the word mission? Some of you are going to think about global projects. You're going to think about uh, supporting children overseas. You're going to think about supporting uh, rural pastors, maybe in India or in Russia. You're going to think about what's going, what's going on globally. Some of you are going to think more about local initiatives. You might think about the local food bank or Teen Challenge or Gospel Mission, things that are happening here in our own backyard. Some of you are going to lean more towards evangelism. You're going to think automatically about preaching the gospel and inviting people into salvation. And some of you are going to lean more towards humanitarian and social aspects of mission, helping people in their physical and emotional and psychological needs and addressing the brokenness of our humanity. And these are all really good things. These are all part of mission. And for me, it's become really important to understand mission in the holistic sense what, what is the holistic sense of mission? And so this is what I mean. As I read the scriptures, I see a God who is at work in our world. He is at work healing, restoring, reconciling, drawing people back to himself. We recognize the brokenness of, our, of the world, and yet we also see a God who really cares. And we see a God that is inviting people back into wholeness, inviting people back uh, to be with him. This is what God is doing. And then God invites us as his people to join him, to participate with him. It's an amazing thing. 
Um, God is in the business of healing and restoring uh, us and the world. And this encompasses all aspects of our life, physical, psychological, emotional, and spiritual. And the best missions that I have seen are the missions that address all of these factors. It is holistic in nature. If we only focus on the soul, if we only focus on the spiritual dimension, we miss the fact that God really cares about this world. And he really cares about the here and the now and, and how we're living. Think about it. When Jesus came, he came to preach the gospel. He came to talk about life after death. But he also healed the blind and cured the sick and restored families. He cared about the here and the now. On the other hand, if we only focus on the here and now and we neglect our souls, the spiritual dimension, we, we fall drastically short of the biblical uh, definition of mission and, and what it means to lead people to wholeness because part of what it means to lead people to wholeness must include the spiritual dimensions of our life. Didn't Jesus say, what good is it for man to gain the whole world and yet for him to lose his own soul? So if we are helping people out of poverty, and they move from uh, terrible poverty and become upper middle class, but we haven't addressed the issue of the soul, we've really come very short on what it means to uh, practice holistic and biblical mission. And so we really do need both. And so it seems to me that the biblical concept is both. It, it is all of these things. We are called to proclaim the good news in both word and indeed in both proclamation and in action. I came across this great quote from a great missiologist, Rene Padilla. I think it's up there. He says this, a more biblical concept of mission suggests that there's no evangelism without social dimension and there's no Christian social action without evangelistic dimension. You need both. You need to address the here and now, but you also need to address the soul. You need both. This is what it means to be holistic. Transformational development is a term that I've started using, and this is coined by uh, Brian Myers, who's also a great missiologist, and he says this, transformational development is seeking positive change in the world, or seeking positive change in the whole of human life, materially, socially, psychologically, and spiritually. And, and for me, this is what mission has started um, to become. It's transformational development. It is helping people in, in every aspect of their life. Where there is brokenness, we bring healing. Where there is emptiness, we bring wholeness. Where there is lostness, we help them be found. Where there is spiritual darkness, we bring light. This is the call of mission. And so I get really excited about mission. Because God is at work. God is at work here. God is at work around the world. And I have the privilege of going to many different countries and being in touch with many different organizations and missionaries. And I hear stories of how God is drawing people to himself. I hear stories of how the church is growing, how people are lost and then they're found, how people are, are empty and then they find meaning, how people are poor and then their life um, is blessed and, and they come into wholeness. And God is at work and the beautiful message of mission is that we are invited into that. We don't just sit back and watch God do his thing. God clearly calls us, his people, to join him, to participate with him. And I love this. I love God's call on my life. I love God's call on the life of the church. Because it tells me that life's not just about myself and my own personal salvation. That, that life's about joining God with what he is doing. That I don't just have to write my own story. I get to join God in his story. The story of healing and redeeming and reconciling the world to himself. What a privilege it is for us to join God in this mission. And so 
it's exciting to be a part of it. And so we are seeking to be about holistic mission. And so I work with many organizations and missions around the world, and I'm constantly encouraging them to find a holistic balance in their mission. Those who are really focused on church planting and evangelism, I tell them, I encourage them, yes, that's really good, but you need to make sure you're caring about the material poverty that you see around you. And those that are more focused on the humanitarian aspects of things, and sometimes they tend to neglect the spiritual side of wholeness, I say, you need to be preaching about Jesus and talking about the soul because it's so important. We need to find the balance. We need to talk about holistic mission. We go to Guatemala because we have found a ministry that we love. And it's a ministry that understands holistic mission um, maybe better than anywhere that I have seen. They address the, the social, the material, the emotional, the psychological, and the spiritual issues. And it's an amazing ministry. It's a place where uh, my whole family can engage and participate. We went last year for two and a half months. We went back, obviously, this year. We're hoping to go again next year. It is so life-giving for us to be a part of this mission. And so I want to just tell you about it this morning and uh, hopefully encourage you. My prayer this morning is that you would walk away encouraged, encouraged about what God is doing and how God brings healing and how God brings wholeness and how God invites us to participate with him in this, this great adventure of, of healing and restoring the world. So uh, let's, let's put a picture up there. So this is English House. This is what we got to be a part of for two and a half or nine, nine weeks there. So um, we live with 29 Mayan teenagers for two months. It is their summer break. Um, November and December is their summer break and they come and live with us and we call it English House because it's an English immersion program but as you can imagine it is so much more than just teaching them English. They live with us from Monday to Friday, they go home on the weekends um, and it's nine weeks and they become part of our family. It's our family and one other family from Abbotsford and we kind of run the program and uh, we have Canadian visitors that come every week and help uh, be, become integrated into uh, the life of English hosts. Let me tell you why this ministry exists. In Guatemala, education is free up until the end of grade six. After grade six, from grade seven onward, you have to pay. And if you're poor, uh, you can't afford to have your kids go to school. So many kids are done going to school at the end of grade six. Uh, you know, more than 50% of the population is below the poverty line. And so uh, there are piles of 12 and 13 and 14 year olds that don't have the opportunity to go to school. And so they end up going to work. Um, if, you're, if you're a girl, sometimes you get married because that's the easiest thing to do. And, uh, and life is difficult. And so if you want hope of changing your, your situation uh, of poverty, Education, as we know, is pretty significant. You, you need to be educated in order to help, uh, help yourself get out of poverty. And so um, that's, that's the first issue. School's not free after grade six. And so um, the program started by offering scholarships to students that really wanted to continue studying but couldn't afford to. And so Gregorio and Candelaria are our partners. They are local, uh, they are, they are local indigenous Guatemalans, and they have such a heart to help people that were just like them. And so they started providing scholarships for students so that they could go to school. But more than that, part of the program is if you get a scholarship, you have to uh, come down and meet with Gregorio and Candelaria every Saturday and for further education. And this education includes leadership development, Christian discipleship, uh, learning English, because in Guatemala, if you learn English, you have so many more opportunities to get yourself out of poverty. 
Um, and so they say to these students, yes, we're going to let you go to school. We're going we're gonna to sponsor you from grade 7 to grade 12. But part of the, the requirement is that you are going to get further education from us. And then you also have to go into your communities and give back to children. And so we have, we have these teenagers that you see in the back. And on the weekends, they go into their Mayan communities and they are doing tutorials. And they are teaching the children how to speak Spanish because most of them don't speak Spanish. They speak Quechuaquel, the, the, the local dialect there. They help the children learn math and even a little bit of English. And so the, the teenagers who receive the scholarship to go to school are expected to give back into their communities, which is really quite a beautiful model. Um, and then it's summer break. And so summer break, they come and they get to participate in English House if they have earned it. And so we had 29 students living with us and we pour into them really intentionally for nine weeks. Um, we start every day off with devotions. So we were pointing them to Jesus. We have three or four hours of English teaching. In the afternoons, we're doing further education like math and physics and uh, humanities and, um, and hygiene and stuff like that. Uh, we always have visitors coming and practicing conversation with the students. And we see incredible growth over the course of English House. And so um, I think the best way to tell you about the impact of English House is to introduce you to a couple of our students. And so I'm going to introduce you to three students. And I got a short little video of them. And then I'm going to tell you about their story. So let's start with Vilma. Hi, good morning. Uh, my name is Vilma. I am so excited uh, to be here because uh, this for me is a great opportunity to learn many things. And this year, thank you to God, uh, the family, McDonald and Wins family, they come and they uh, help us how to learn, how to improve our English. So thank you so much. Also, uh, we learn about God. That is my favorite part. Thank you to Chris, share us, uh, shared us to many things to learn about God because that is so important in, in our life, also in our family. Uh, thank you for them to share uh, their life, their culture, tradition. That for me is a great, it's a great really. And I would like to see them uh, the next year uh, because uh, I know uh, many people they they like to they like to have this opportunity, but they don't have. But it's like, but God is great with us. And also, um, just I want to tell uh, to uh, my classmates, we can do it. It's difficult, but not impossible. Hi, good morning. Uh, my name. So this is Vilma. She's in her fourth year. She's got one year left of school. And then uh, we are looking for opportunities for her. Let me tell you a little bit about Vilma. Uh, she lives in pretty significant poverty. We've been to her house and it's, uh, it's pretty shocking how she lives. She's the oldest of many, many children. I don't even know how many. Uh, like all the other students, uh, grade six finished and she couldn't go to school. She desperately wanted to continue to go to school. She knew that if she was going to change her life, she needed to continue getting education. Her parents could not afford to send her to school. So Vilma, on her own choice, decided to move to the city, which is four hours away, and to, and to work with a family making tortillas. Uh, so she left her family at 12 years old, and she spent three years in the city. 
and uh, the family she worked with was kind of a wealthy Guatemalan family. She said it was an absolutely horrible experience. They treated her like a slave. In Guatemala, there is deep racism, and so um, all of our students are indigenous Mayan, and when they go to the city, they're not with Mayan people, and so they're just, they're treated inhumanely. And uh, she spent three years making tortillas and basically being a slave in their home, being treated uh, terribly. Uh, I asked her how often she got to go home. Imagine, she's 12, 13, and 14 years old, three years. She went home once a year for four days. And that's it. That's when she saw her family. The rest of the time, she was just working, trying to make enough money so that she could go back to school. That's how driven she was. At the end of three years, she got really sick, and she had to go home. And all what little money she was able to save to go to school, they had to spend on her to get better. Uh, she had a pretty significant disease. And so she got healthy, but she had no money. She's 15 years old, and uh, you know, she wants to go to school. So she found Gregorio and Candelaria, who are our local partners, and begged them for a scholarship. So Gregorio and Candelaria went up to her home, heard her story, and said, yeah, you, you're the kind of student that deserves a scholarship, so we're going to pour into you. So Vilma, she's 19 years old. She's only in grade 11. She's missed three years of school. But she has worked so incredibly hard to get education and to learn. Um, she's an absolute inspiration. Um, what she needed was a chance. She had the drive, she had the motivation, but she just needed somebody to come alongside her and give her a chance. And that's what this program has done. And now Vilma is a fantastic leader. She's a leader in her community. She's a leader in English House. Uh, you heard her talk a lot about God. For Vilma, in the midst of how difficult her life has been, she would say, that God has been the one consistent factor in her life. You know, her, her family doesn't really support her. They criticize her for going to school when she should be at home making money and supporting the rest of the little kids. And yet she says, no, I have to do this. I have to improve my situation and then I can help you. And the one consistent factor in her life has been God. And she is so grateful uh, for, for a God that loves her, a God that is for her, um, a God that has given her these incredible opportunities. And so um, Vilma is just an example, and I'm not picking the worst examples to show you how... You, uh, th this, is, this is almost every student's story of how difficult it is for them and just the small chance that they need, and then they'll do great things. And we have such high hopes for Vilma. You can see her English is improving, and next year we're looking at creating opportunities for her to either come here to Canada or maybe get a scholarship to the United States. We'll see, but life is looking a lot better for her because she's been given an opportunity. So that's Vilma. Let me show you a video of Sylvia. Hello, my name is Sylvia. Uh, good morning. Uh, the thing that I appreciate for English House was when we had devotion. We are all together in the living room. We learn more about the Bible and how God loves us. And we know that God loves us and we aren't alone. He's always with us and he's our good, good father. Um, that's, and then after that we sing a song, a special song, and that is the thing that I love. And also, I love meet the, the, the people like Dave, Dinea, Chris, and Laura. They are amazing people, great people. I really meet, will miss them a lot. I learned many things in this year. I think my English is improved. Um, I learned how to write essays, 
like how is it about how to make tortillas and also about Narnia. That book was amazing. Um, thank you for making this opportunity. Uh, God bless you. Um, thank you so much. So that's Sylvia. She's in her third year. She's got two years left of school. Uh, Sylvia's mom, you'll see in the back there, runs a tienda, a small store, and the store there is in the back. And uh, Sylvia, when she comes home from school, helps run the store. On the weekends, it's her responsibility to run the store. Um, these students, they don't really have a concept of free time or going and hanging out with their friends. When there's free time, you work because life is so difficult. You have to help your family, you have to help farming, you have to help with the children, you have to do something. And so uh, Sylvia is always working with her mom. And so it's difficult for her to be at English house. It's difficult for her to study. And yet uh, her mom says, no, you need to go. This is how you're going to improve your life. Uh, Sylvia's story is, is sad, like all the other students. When she was two years old, her dad was walking to work. And uh, in the evening, they saw his, or he was biking to work. And in the evening, they saw his bike and he was gone and they never saw him since. So uh, they assume that he was kidnapped. This is the kind of thing that does happen there, unfortunately. Um, it's possible that he just left. They don't know. So they choose to believe that he was kidnapped. So Sylvia has grown up without a father in her life. And, uh, you know, she, she bears the scars of that um, in her life. But she is so very driven to change her life. And she so desperately wants to, to do more than, uh, than what she has grown up with. You, you heard her talk a lot about devotions. Uh, my favorite part of English House is I get, a, I get to lead devotions every morning. And so we take 20 minutes and we just read a, a passage of scripture. It's very simple. And we just talk about who God is. And as I've learned these students' stories, I have learned that what I need to emphasize is just who God is. God is like a father. God reveals himself as father. And I talk a lot about identity. I talk a lot about value. I talk a lot about why you matter. Because a lot of these kids grow up and they are actually told, you don't matter. You were a mistake. I wish you weren't born. That's what a lot of these girls actually hear from their fathers because their fathers don't want to give birth to girls because they can't help around at home. And so can you imagine growing up hearing this? And then when we come in and we say God is like a father, they don't have a very good picture of what that is. And so I spent two months just talking about, here's how God reveals himself to us. God loves us. God, God puts infinite value on you. You have identity, you have hope, you have purpose. And Sylvia is one of the girls who, who it loves devotions and loves Bible class and always asks, Chris, when are you teaching again? When are we going to hear more about what God is like? It's so rewarding for me. Every morning, the kids come, they come with their Bibles and they are ready to learn. They really want to know about God. This is 13, 14, 15 year olds. They're not bored. They really care. They really want to know what God is like because they know how much of an effect and the difference it's going to make on their lives. You get a sense that English House is not just about teaching English. Yes, that, we do do that. That's our platform. But it's so much more than teaching English. These kids, they are so broken and hurting. And they need to hear a message that only God can speak. And the message that only God can speak is this. You are loved. You are valued. You are cherished. You're not a mistake. There is hope for you. I can tell them that. I can say, I love you and I cherish you. And that has some weight, but not, not that much weight. 
But when you open up the Bible and you say, this is what God says about you. This is what is infinitely true about you. No matter what you've heard from your family or your parents, this is true about you. You actually start seeing that message take root in their lives and you see transformation happening. And they start actually believing in themselves. And they start going, oh my goodness, I'm not a mistake. There actually is hope for me. There's actually a God that is for me. Even though I don't have a father, I don't have a good father, I've got a God who is a real father and who looks after me. And so it's amazing to see the impact of this message. And we see it especially with new students. These students come back year after year. So Sylvia is in her third year, but every year we have new students. So we had six new students this year, and they come in, and they're, they're so timid, and they're so nervous, and they, they know very little. And you can actually just see them warming up, and you can see as the course of the weeks go on, they start realizing that this is true. And they start actually believing in themselves. And it's amazing to see the difference that it makes. We had three of our new students become Christians at English House. Uh, and you would think Guatemala is a very Christian country, and it is, but these students came in, they'd never seen a Bible before, they'd never heard the message before. And when we start reading the scriptures to them, they start, they start going, oh my goodness, this has eternal value in my life. And you can just see how it transforms their lives, and it is absolutely amazing. I'm going to show you one more video, introduce you to Rudolfo. Hello, my name is Rudolfo. Uh, this year at English House, I enjoy it because the last year I couldn't understand when the visitors talk to me. But now I can understand. I spent time with everyone and it was amazing to meet many visitors. I learned many new games and I met Chris's brothers. He was a great person. He taught us how to take how to make houses and we made a house of wood with all them. We tried how to use each machine and Chris, Chris's family went to visit my house. I am thankful with God because he's good to us. He blessed and he's all. Thank you. Sorry, the sound quality on that one isn't very good. Rudolfo is a second year student, so last year he was he didn't speak any English. So you can see how far they come in just one year. You probably didn't catch it there, but he said, uh, he said, I met Chris's brothers. Mike came with uh, five of his guys from, uh, in, in construction. They came for a week and they had a great week and it really impacted um, our guys. We have, we have seven boys in the, in the program. Most of them are girls because girls are the ones that need the opportunities more than the guys. But the boys, we have visitors um, every single week. So a different batch of visitors come. But I would say for those six, those seven boys, the, by far the biggest impact on them in terms of visitors was when Mike and uh, his friends, his crew came. And uh, part of that was they were building, uh, they were building out of wood. And so the, they, they don't build out of wood. And so they, it, was, it was totally new for them. And so we let the boys go and hang out with them and do some construction. Uh, they were building a second story on a dormitory. And so they built it in a week. We we're really grateful that they came. They're all here this morning. So awesome, guys. So we let the boys uh, spend a week or, sp or spend, uh, spend the week uh, building with them. And it really impacted them. It was more than just building. And uh, we were talking about it. For Rudolfo, Rudolfo's dad took off two years ago, just disappeared, just just said, I'm, I'm done with the family. I, I don't want to be part of this family anymore. Uh, most of the boys, most of the students have this story. Their dads have, are either gone or they've disappeared 
or they're alcoholics. Uh, there's actually very few dads that are supportive and encouraging. And so th there's so many father issues. And so when six guys, six young guys came to serve them and build with them and hang out with them, it, it was a really quite a significant impact on the guys uh, of English House, on the students. And, uh, you know, when he's got 50 seconds to talk about nine weeks of English House, and he spent half of it talking about Chris's brothers who came to build, the second story on the bodega. That was really impacting. And so I say that to, uh, to encourage you guys because we're really grateful you came. But I know many of you ask, what's the point of short-term missions trips? Like, what can I really accomplish? And, and I often give this answer. I just say, your presence is ministry. And I know that's kind of hard to believe, but it's true. When you show up, it actually, that is the biggest impact you can have. Because these kids, they've spent their whole life being rejected, being undervalued, you know, thinking that they're the lowest class of citizen possible. And white people are by far the best. That's what they've been taught. And so when white people show up and they say, hey, we care about you and we're the same. We're no better than you are. Imagine what that does to them. And so part of the program, part of the value of the program is just having Canadian visitors come and care for these kids because it's part of building up their self-esteem and it's part of them helping understand that they are valued and that they are loved. Uh, I'm going to invite... Laura, to come up and talk about the results of the program. So we have uh, eight students have actually graduated, and many people ask, what happens when they're done? So we're gonna, Laura's going to introduce you to two of them. Good morning, everybody. Um, it is a real privilege to be up here and to get to share um, a little bit about our life in Guatemala and the people that we got to meet there. Um, I think the most important word for me when I try to describe life at English House is hope. Um, as difficult as it can be to hear the students' stories and as much as our hearts break with them and for them, I think the reason we love English House so much and the students love English House so much and the visitors love English House so much is because of the hope um, that lives there. These students have a deep hope um, that their suffering and hard work will be worth it when they can achieve a better life for themselves and their families. And one of the reasons why they have this hope is because the success of those eight graduates that Chris has talked about or that he just mentioned. Um, the scholarship program is relatively new. Um, English House is relatively new. This was only the fifth year that it's been held. Um, so we've only had eight students who have completed high school and moved on out of the program. However, all eight of these students um, have either moved on to meaningful employment um, or further education. Three of our students have achieved full scholarships to a university in the United States. Um, or both. They're working and going to university in Guatemala at the same time. Um, the two graduates on the screen, Lydia and Evelyn, are probably the two that our family has gotten to know the most. And it's amazing for me when I look at that picture to think that we've only known them for a year. We met them last year in Guatemala. Uh, Chris has talked a, a lot already about the hardships that these students have gone through, but I do want to just share a little bit of Lydia and Evelyn's stories. Um, Evelyn's family has lost their house to a mudslide, uh, not once, but twice. So they've had to start over from the beginning twice. Um, as a teenager, walking home from school, Evelyn, on the left up there, uh, was attacked uh, by a man in her community. 
and went on to have his child. And unfortunately, uh, as life in Guatemala goes on, her attacker was never brought to justice, even though um, she knows who he was. Um, her baby was born with severe disabilities, um, but Evelyn was able to persevere through that. Um, she finished high school um, and was a part of English House and the program while caring for a baby at home. And then, unfortunately, because of his disabilities, her son died at the age of four. Uh, Lydia on the right, um, as Chris has alluded to, grew up with an alcoholic father. Um, when she would go to bed as a young teenage girl, she slept with a packed backpack beside her so that if her dad came home drunk, um, she could grab her backpack and escape to avoid abuse. And she would try her grandmother's house, um, but if she didn't have time, uh, Lydia has spent the night uh, sleeping in cornfields to hide from her dad. Um, both of these girls had to fight for their rights to continue school because their families didn't believe it was important for them. Um, but Lydia in particular, her family was ready for her to get married uh, when she finished grade six. And when she refused, her extended family essentially excommunicated her from their family. Um, they just said that if she wasn't going to get married, if she was too good for them, then she wasn't going to be a part of their family anymore. Um, despite these hardships, um, because of the scholarship program, uh, because of the mentorship from Gregorio and Candelaria, and because of the time they were able to spend at English House, Lydia and Evelyn have defied the odds stacked against them. They both graduated from high school. And then together, they were actually offered jobs working for an American tech company in Antigua. So they left home. Um, together and they got an apartment and they're working for an American company in Antigua. Uh, they got these jobs because of their fluency in English. Um, they now do customer service work with um, companies from America full-time, so they speak English full-time at work. And their confidence level, they believe they can do hard things and they're willing to persevere um, to meet their goals. Uh, now they're earning enough money to support themselves and, unbelievably enough, they're supporting their families. So their families, who um, gave them such a hard time, now they're sending money home to support them and paying for their younger siblings to go to school. Uh, Lydia has been able to buy land in her community and is hoping to someday build a learning center so she can give back some of what's been given to her. Uh, they both follow God wholeheartedly, and they're both connected to a local church family in Antigua. And then they're committed to mentoring the students that are coming up behind them in the English House program. And one of the reasons we know them so well is because they took their two-week vacation from work and came to live with us at English House and to serve the students that are in the program behind them. Um, as you can see, we love these students, and it has been an honor and a privilege to get to know them and to call them friends. Um, these two girls are amazing examples of the inc incredible success of this program. Um, they have taken advantage of the money and time that's been invested in them to finish high school, to find employment, and now to give back to their families and communities. They have learned to love God and to believe in the value they have as his daughters. And they know that if they persevere, they will continue to achieve great things.
We could, we could go on all day, um, tell you many, many stories, but hopefully you got a sense of, of what it's like and how God is doing a really great thing there. And it's a real privilege for us to be a part of it. I, I started this morning out talking about holistic ministry. And th- this is a place that really does it, that understands holistic ministry. Uh, the term transformational development um, helping people materially, socially, psychologically, and spiritually. And we're seeing that. And we're seeing the way that God um, is transforming lives uh, with the message of love, the message of value, the message of hope. And uh, we're so grateful to be a part of it. Um, I, hope, I hope you don't hear this morning that mission is something that happens over there. Uh, mission, is, mission is every day. We've been called to participate with God in, in, in the everydayness of our lives, both locally and globally. But in our homes, that's mission. In our schools, that's mission. In our workplaces, that's mission. This is what God has invited us to be a part of. Being a Christian and following Jesus isn't just about what he does for you. It's also about what he wants to do through you in the world. And he invites us to be a part of it. And it's an incredible privilege. And so as, as 2019 is here, for us, it's just once again a renewed sense of what God has called us to do. That we are not living life just for ourselves. So we're not just living our life, writing our own story, and building our own kingdom. We are part of something that is so much bigger, and so much greater, and so much more fulfilling. And we're not waiting until, ne- until October to go back and do mission. Mission starts right now. And we're going to do mission from now until October, and then we're going to go back to Guatemala and do mission there. But mission is something that we, as a church, corporately, and as people individually, are all called to do and are all invited to be a part of. And so I want to encourage you this morning to consider, as, as you think about what 2019 holds for you, to consider the mission that God has called you to, and what your life is going to be about, and what story you are participating in, and what God is calling you to do. So we're going to end this morning with uh, communion. It's a great way for us to kick off 2019 as Creekside. For those of you who are new to church, I recognize that this can be a bit of a strange practice. So let me just take a second to uh, explain why we do this. When we gather around the table here, the the elements, the the juice and the bread, the crackers here, uh, we remind ourselves about what is most central. We remind ourselves about Jesus. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He lived, he taught, he died, and he rose again. And he is the Son of God, and this is what is most central to us. And on his last meal with his disciples, he broke bread and he said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he had the cup of wine and he says, Drink this, and whenever you do it, do it in remembrance of me. This is the blood that is spilled for you. And so since that day, every time the church has gathered for the last 2,000 years in every country, every time the church has gathered, they've gathered around this table. This is is a, a celebration and a remembrance of Jesus, that he died, his body was broken, and that he spilled his blood. And that's what we celebrate with the cup. That's what we remember. We gather around this table to remind ourselves and to remind us as a church that this is core. This is most important. 
It is all about Jesus. It's all about following Jesus. And so if you believe this to be true in your life, we invite you to come forward and take the, the juice and the crackers. And if you're not quite sure if you're there yet, that's fine. We just encourage you to stay where you are and just consider what you've heard this morning. Consider what God might have for you today. So I'm going to invite the band to come up, I think, and then Jeremy, and we're going to uh, participate in communion. So you can come up and then take the elements and then uh, hold it, and then we will take them all together once we're all ready to go.